Goodbye, University. Hi, everyone. This is Janet, uh, Janet Dalglish. I'm here to do a call today on the brain science of Pollyanna. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> um, I like this I'm topic, sorry. the title of this anyway, Janet. I know I said this last time, but I'm like, this, might, this one has the potential to be my favorite. <laughs> Um, I know what you mean. I, well, I, to give you a bit of background for anybody who's listening to the recording and, and Jeanette, because I haven't really kind of gone into detail about this, but I, I have to say, when it came to appreciation, I was sort of racking my brains a bit because I thought, everybody knows. I mean, this is it, even people who don't know anything about the brain science or anything about law of attraction has probably heard the thing that, you know, doing a gratitude journal of three good things a day is really helpful for your mindset blah 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 and so it's sort of you know it's such basic information I thought I can't do a call on this and then I suddenly thought but who's the mistress of appreciation so that's what got me started on this was kind of going Mm. I wonder (laughs) so I thought I'll reread the book I haven't read it for a few years I'll reread it from the perspective of um is there anything here that um that I can connect to the brain science, and 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 out of that, um, particularly to do with the appreciation appreciation when times are tough, that was the piece that I thought was really interesting because that's what Pollyanna does really really well, uh, and she teaches other people yeah. to do it. So it's kind of like, oh, I wonder if there's any brain science around this, and there is. <laughs> right on. Mm, she is an unconditional so, appreciator, though, isn't she? She's not just a fair weather appreciator. Pollyanna does it under any circumstances. Yeah. yeah, and what's really interesting to me is the way she is not just the way she does it, but how she got there in the first place, how she got to to be like that, um, and and what she does with other people. Anyway, I, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> it's really hard for me to kind of rein it back. Um, so. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that it's possible. It's not likely, but it's possible that there are people listening to the recording who've never read Pollyanna, or who aren't who only kind of know it vaguely, or who haven't read it for a long time. If that's the case, I do recommend that you grab a copy. Um, it's available free as a Kindle book, uh, and you don't need a Kindle device to read it. So you can get a copy for free and read it on your phone or your computer. Um, but why Pollyanna? Why was I so interested in this? Because Pollyanna's she's lauded by deliberate creators we all we all refer to her a lot of the time but she's often vilified by mainstream people as being unrealistic or irrationally optimistic so I I wanted to sort of go I want to find out what the brain science said about who she is and what she does so without giving any spoilers because I don't want to do that for people who haven't read the book yet um, she's an 11 year old girl who is sent to live with her straight-laced aunt Polly after the death of her father and now he's a minister for a mission out west. And um, when she arrives in town, she very rapidly teaches people in the town and the reader the value of what she calls the glad game. And very early on, she explains the glad game to her, <coughs> pardon me, to her aunt's, aunt's housemaid, Nancy. She describes it as being able to find something about everything to be glad about, no matter what it is. And for me, that's the point that made it so interesting is that with the year of Manifesto, uh, month of May, we've been talking about appreciation, but we've been specifically talking about appreciating when it seems like there's not much to appreciate. You know, it's easier to do that. It's easier to do appreciating when everything's going well. It's it can feel harder to do it when it's not. And Pollyanna is the absolute mistress of doing appreciating when when it, things aren't going well. In fact, she says herself, 
it's about finding something to be glad about even when the you know no matter what the circumstances in other words she's consciously applying appreciation to even the most difficult situation and during the course of the book Pollyanna challenges the established order in her town purely by being herself and playing the glad game on her own situations and on theirs and in the end she she herself faces a deeply distressing and difficult situation and she has to find her own way back to the glad game but back to appreciation in a time of really major adversity <clears throat> and first of all I will say that yes the books are the books over a hundred years old it was written in 1913 so the characters behavior is a little dated and Pollyanna herself is a little dated but hello give the girl a break she's 113 years old um, so when we look at her her relationship to her own ability to appreciate I think we can see a really clear demonstration of some er interesting brain science at work so I wanted to break it down uh, I'm going to keep my eyes off chat because I don't want to get distracted but <clears throat> you guys will let me know if there are any questions or anything any comments or anything as we go through yeah, we'll do call bananas so the first thing is that appreciation is a learned skill Pollyanna frequently tells people the story of how she learned the glad game and if you cast your mind back her father's uh, role as a minister for a mission meant that he relied upon donations sent to them in the missionary barrels for their clothing and their possessions and so on. When she was little, after her mother had died presumably, Pollyanna wanted a doll. But the mission lady who sent the next barrel said that no doll had been donated so instead she sent a pair of child's crutches in case some child might need them. Um, and Pollyanna's father had recently become aware of a, a, about 800 passages in the Bible which he described as the rejoicing passages the ones that start out with something like be glad or rejoice <clears throat> and he thought that being glad and finding joy and rejoicing must have a purpose in life so he asked Pollyanna what she could find to be glad about in getting crutches instead of a doll not surprisingly she couldn't think of anything she was only a little kid uh, but as she relates later her father had to tell her that she could be glad because she didn't need them now the adults around her are always somewhat startled by this story but she describes how from that day on she and her father played the glad game with everything there are uh, there there are some underlying assumptions to the game and I'll talk about those in a moment but the key here is that she learned it and over the course of the book so she didn't she wasn't born with it sure she, she might well have been but she hadn't become familiar with it as a skill until her father brought her attention to it and challenged her to find something to be glad about and over the course of the book through her attitude and her conversations and her actions she keeps on demonstrating it and challenging others to adopt the game with her and before too long they learn it too not everyone and not in the same time frame so there are some characters in the book who don't really get it until the quite right at the very end but once they're confronted with the concept of it and they decide to try it out they all adopt the game and their own attitudes and actions change the book actually predicts something that we didn't fully understand until the middle of the 20th century and that's the concept that the brains of adults are capable of change at the time the book was written common wisdom said that a child can easily learn because their brains are plastic and malleable and changeable but that the adult brain is fixed and therefore it can't change we can't change our mindset and of course we now know that that's a complete myth we know that the adult brain is highly plastic and capable of change Pollyanna's power lies in her ability to demonstrate the glad game so 
again, looking at the brain science, we know about we now know about the existence of mirror neurons, which mean that when someone demonstrates how to do something, my mirror neurons light up as though I'm doing it myself. So I'm able to learn that very quickly. In fact, scientists uh, think that that was the evolutionary moment when we developed this massive capacity for mirror neurons was the moment where civilization suddenly became possible because we could teach horizontally to our you know, fellow tribes people and we could teach vertically to our children. So we, we could suddenly demonstrate things and, and, and the people watching could learn uh, very quickly. So when Pollyanna plays the glad game, those around her can perceive her positive attitude and get inspired by it to try it for themselves. Uh, so what we see is this kind of horizontal teaching, demonstrating, which she does by uh, activating mirror neurons in those around her who sort of, uh, it, it's not like they can see what she's doing and they can't see how, what, it, what it means. They get it really quickly. And again, like I said, some people faster than others. Some people sort of hold out a bit longer, but eventually the whole town does it. Um, so for me, that, that idea of appreciation as a learned skill, that really lights me up. I like that. <laughs> and, the, and the idea that it can change my mindset um, is, really, is really good. The next piece that I thought was interesting about her character or how she what she demonstrates is that appreciation gets easier with practice. Uh, several times she refers to her capacity to be glad of things without thinking about it. It's the words she used. She says, I did it without thinking. I do it without thinking about it. The fact that she practices the game regularly and has been doing so for a while has created a default mindset, which means that the first thing she does in any situation is look for something to be glad about. She does it without even thinking. She doesn't have to remind herself that she needs to find something to appreciate. She just does it. Uh, and this, this is something that, uh, in, from a brain science perspective, this is called the Tetris effect. <laughs> I love this. Um, so we know that the brain uses filters to decide what experience of, of reality to deliver. Uh, but there's something that called the Tetris effect, which has been observed um, quite, quite a, a lot recently. You know, in, uh, it's been studied a little bit recently. Um, Harvard Medical School Department of Psychiatry did a test where they got a, a group of people to play the computer game of Tetris for several hours a day for three days solid because uh, they wanted to see what happens to the brains of gamers when they're immersed in, a, in this other reality. Uh, and if, I'm guessing most people know Tetris. It's a game where blocks are falling from the sky and you have to arrange them so that they form unbroken li horizontal lines. And when you do that, the line disappears, making space for more blocks. Um, and subjects reported what's now known as the Tetris effect. So real life was seen through the filter of a Tetris game. One guy said that he had a strong urge to rearrange cereal boxes in a supermarket because he could see how one box would perfectly fit a space on the shelf below. Um, he also talked about viewing the city as a series of Tetris blocks because he noticed how if he turned one particular skyscraper on its side, it would fit between two other buildings. Um, People dreamt of blocks falling from the sky for weeks afterwards. Most people reported that they kept seeing the whole world and, and the objects in it from this Tetris point of view. They kept seeing things from the perspective of the shape of them and how they fitted in with other shapes. And it, so in three days, their brains had acquired this powerful filter on reality. So 
the um, the que obvious question is: Can this apply to appreciation? Can can we practice appreciation to the point where the filters, where, where we get these filters on our reality? And the answer is yes. Uh, and this kind of brings me back to what I mentioned right at the beginning. One of the most well-researched ways to activate positivity is through appreciation. And one of the most studied practices on, of how to do that is called three, the three good things, where we create a five-minute daily ritual around noticing three good things that happened to us today. And it creates what and researchers are now calling that the positive Tetris effect, where we begin to see the world through a default framework of appreciation, just as Pollyanna has. So again, as she found, playing the glad game doesn't just give us a benefit in the short term, making it a regular practice changes our default mindset so that like Pollyanna, we do it without thinking. Um, and I think that's a pretty nice way to live. <laughs> I agree. It's making sense so far. Yeah, in fact, Janet, I'm thinking about how, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, I, I, I shared something in the forums, I can't remember what it was, but I commented about how I was noticing that it was becoming a, a natural default mode to look for, I can't yeah. remember if I said what's gone right or some, what it is to appreciate or something, but I have experienced that effect of how we can make it our normal MO with a little bit of yeah. I did wonder whether really just listing three things a day would accomplish it, but apparently so, huh? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, and there are some other things that we can do to kind of even amp that up. And because um, uh, as I was going through this material and kind of putting the bits and pieces together and sort of pulling them together, I realized that there's actually a way to sort of fine tune that five minutes a day practice to... I think make it even stronger. Um, so, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll get to that at the end. Um, so, the next thing that we find, uh, if we look at Pollyanna from a, her, you know, with our brain scientist hat on, <laughs> is uh, that she tells her aunt's housemaid Nancy that the glad game can be even more fun when it's hard to find something to appreciate. What she actually says is. Most generally, there is something about everything that you can be glad about if you keep hunting long enough to find it. In other words, she doesn't give up when the thing to be glad about isn't immediately apparent. She instead, and she doesn't see it as a struggle or a chore, she perceives it as a fun challenge. So for example, she goes to visit bedridden Mrs. Snow and when Mrs. Snow challenges her to find something that she, Mrs. Snow, could possibly be glad about, in being an invalid, sick and confined to her bed all, all the time. Pollyanna's response is to light up with glee at the thought of a big challenge and she says she'll think about it and come back the next day with something, <laughs> uh, which she does. And yes, I could imagine that for Mrs. Snow that would have been really, really irritating. <laughs> but I really like Pollyanna's attitude. She doesn't kind of go, oh yeah, you're right, that's really tough. She goes, whoo, she rubs her hands together with glee and says, let me add it. Um, and the next day she does come back with an answer. In fact, she comes back with two answers. She said, first of all, that Mrs. Snow can feel glad that other people aren't sick and she can feel glad that she has the use of her hands and arms. And eventually Mrs. Snow herself sees the value in this too. So the key to the glad game is not so much to say, I wonder if there is anything to appreciate here, but rather to say, there will be something here to be glad about. I wonder what it is. And there's a subtle distinction between the two, but I think this is a really important one when it comes to building the skill of being able to find something to appreciate in the tough times. Our brains are like eager little border collie puppies. 
give them a directive, a, a new trick to learn or something to find, and they'll do their happy tail wagging best to comply. Um, there's a famous uh, uh, you know, experiment that's um, uh, where you, 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 um, you go to somebody's workplace. You know, this was done in, corporate, in the corporate world where people drive to work and, had, and park in a big car park. And uh, a group of workers was asked, what was the colour of the car next to your parking spot? What, what, what colour car did you park next to this morning? And most people said, I don't know, which is reasonable. Who pays attention? And they were asked the same question every day for the next five days. The second day, more of them remembered, but they didn't know that they remembered. They weren't expecting to remember, but they did remember, which surprised them. The third day, again, more people remembered. A lot of people remembered. And again, they hadn't really necessarily expected to remember. And then by the fifth day, they were expecting the question. So they were consciously paying attention to the car the colour of the car next to them. But the point was that there was this little period where their brains were remembering and noticing because they might get asked. It's like the brain was going, there's this question that I couldn't answer yesterday. I could answer it today. The car, I'm, ne I'm next to a red car. I'll make a note of that. And it's happening at an unconscious level. Uh, by the end of the week, they were co everyone was conscious that they might get asked that question. They were probably going to get asked that question again. Um, because it had become a pattern. So they were all consciously looking. But there was that little period where their brains were doing it even when they weren't aware of it. So it indicates that if you ask the brain to look for and notice something, it will respond before you're even conscious that it's doing it. Um, there's another a, a study that I absolutely adore from the University of Essex where researchers were studying whether pessimists could become more optimistic. So they ran these tests where people were shown pairs of faces on a computer screen, one angry, one happy. And from time to time, there would be dots underneath one of the faces. And if the subject saw the dots, when the subject saw the dots, they had to press a button. And the researchers found that people who were naturally pessimistic, which they can measure in other ways, were much faster to see the dots behind the angry face, while optimists were faster to see the dots behind the happy face. Not really surprising, because that's what we're sort of, that's where our brain is focused. And then they devised a game where they, which people would take home as an app for their computer. And you, you look at a grid of four, four by four, uh, a four by four grid of faces. So 16 to, or it might be four by five. Anyway, uh, uh, all these faces, and only one of them is smiling. The other ones have a grumpy or sad or whatever. And you have to pick out the happy face as fast as possible and click the button. Over a period of seven weeks, those who'd been pessimistic displayed much faster speeds seeing the dots behind the happy faces. They also showed other brain evidence of increased optimism and they reported feeling happier and more optimistic generally. Their brains had learned this completely reversed optimistic mindset purely by tr being trained to hunt out the gladness three times a week for 20 minutes for seven weeks. And I think that's pretty remarkable given that most of us grew up sort of being told that our mindsets were more or less fixed. Um, and I think that that distinction about, about making the assumption that there is something here to be glad about and then going to look for it, if we do that, our brains will respond really, really well. <clears throat> it's, it's clear. Uh, the next piece of the puzzle for Pollyanna is uh, social support. Very early on, Pollyanna tells Nancy that the game is much easier and more fun when there's someone else to play it with. Um, 
and Nancy offers to loan the game, even though she doubts that she'll be good at it. Uh, and over a period of time, we see Nancy playing it, we see other townspeople playing it. Um, and in the end, when Pollyanna faces this massive, um, this massively awful situation for herself, it's the townspeople who send her messages no, to let her know the different ways that they have found to appreciate their own difficult situations that starts to make the difference. Over time, Pollyanna regains her own ability to be glad through a mix of being glad for them. So she's, you know, when, they, when she hears that someone else has sent her a message, a message to say, I'm glad because, her mirror neurons get lit up. She can appreciate that, but she also engages some of the specific solutions that they have found in her own situation until she rediscovers a way to be utterly glad about her own situation. And she gets to total appreciation before anything is resolved about her situation. So it's a, it's a really powerful demonstration of how social support is one of the keys to overall positivity because on its own it can just ease the pain of adversity. But when it comes to appreciation, we can actually use that social support to help remind us to practice and, how to, and to aid accountability. There's a lovely story that Sean Acor uh, tells. He's the author of The Happiness Advantage. Um, and he was talking about a group of African CEOs who, because uh, he works a lot with CEOs in very large companies to teach them positivity. And he, he teaches them the three good things technique. And these African CEOs decided that a really nice way to implement it would be to do it with their kids every night at dinner before they ate. And they described how on difficult days when they didn't really feel they had the energy to try and find three things to appreciate, their kids would push them. Um, sometimes their kids would even, these, these CEOs reported that their kids would refuse to eat dinner until their parents had come up with the goods. <laughs> um, so there's this really nice kind of sense of there's both the accountability of other people saying, come on, there must be something to appreciate. You've got to do that before, I, before I'll eat my dinner. But there's also an internal shift that happens where we begin to think, if I, talk, if I only talk about the negativity of, what, of my situation, about the pain of it, then uh, I, I, I'm seeing myself through this other person's eyes and I'm seeing that I'm not, I'm not looking for the glad thing. I'm not looking for the appreciation as well as I could be. So that sense of um, accountability is, is really valuable to us um, in that situation. Barbara Clark's Facebook group is a really good example of how to use social support to inspire our appreciation practice. Um, and, and as we've already seen, having a brain that's already primed for appreciation makes it much easier to find those things when the times are tough. So by blending those two things together, beginning to see how we can make this a really, really high-end um, high skill set. Still you know making thinking, sense? It's making me think of, Janet, how smart it is to practice this when it is easy because that makes us better at it when it's more challenging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the positive Tetris effect at play. And then if we bring someone, if we bring other people into the mix, um, and they can, uh, you know, so what I love about what Pollyanna does with her social support is that because she's the one sort of leading, leading this, she, she initially it's her encouraging and coaching other people on how to do it. So she becomes the one who says, well, here's some things to be glad about. And she helps other people to see it. 
and eventually the tables are turned so she herself receives the social support that helps her to get back to that feeling of appreciation um, so you can see the you can see it all at play it's really fascinating mm-hmm. uh, another part of the uh, another part of what Pollyanna is so skilled at is focus and she says again when she's explaining the game she says when you're hunting for the glad things you sort of forget the other kind like the doll you wanted and brain science makes it clear that our brain's attention is actually really limited. <laughs> we don't actually multitask or what we do when we think we're doing multitasking, divided attention, we're switching very fast between different things. And it's not a bad thing to do, but it's tiring. So when, when possible, our brains prefer to stay focused on one thing. So when we focus on looking for the thing to appreciate in any situation as a conscious act, not only does it give our brains really good practice at seeing the world through these kind of rose-tinted glasses, which is a good thing, it also helps us take our brain, brain's attention away from any negative meaning that we've given to a situation. So, you know, we, I don't know if everybody's familiar with the concept of clean pain and dirty pain. Clean pain is the statement of fact, you know, I have a headache. Dirty pain comes from the stories we tell about that painful situation. You know, maybe I have a brain tumour or now I'll have to choose between getting, having a painkiller or not getting my work done or I must have eaten or drunk the wrong thing or I'm mad at my body, she's letting me down. Those are all stories that, you know, around the meaning of it, that, that's all dirty pain. And the focus of appreciation means that we have less energy to waste on the dirty pain so our ability to find solutions to the clean pain is thereby massively increased. So, you know, if I can find something to appreciate about having a headache, like, for example, I could be glad that this gives me an excuse to put off what, something that I'm not enjoying doing and find a different solution. Uh, I might be able to appreciate the fact that I don't have anything in my schedule right now, which means I can go and take a nap. I might appreciate my body for giving me a warning signal that I've, over, I've overdone it. Um, whatever, whatever way I can find to feel appreciation. While I'm thinking those thoughts and those stories inside my head, I don't have space. My brain doesn't have the ability to focus on the negative stories about what's wrong with me. I, you know, my body's letting me down. Those kinds of things. So mm. it can. We're, we're forcing it to choose a more positive um, attitude and a more positive mindset towards the situation that we're in. And what I love about this with Pollyanna is her, her ability to appreciate is so powerful and so focused that on three separate occasions, her aunt tries to punish her, but Pollyanna utterly misinterprets, misinterprets the punishment <laughs> and sees it as a reward. She's uh, like, oh, that's hilarious. I know, right? And it's yeah. a powerful demonstration of how that works. It's like, while we're busy appreciating, our brain can't even see that we're, you know, <laughs> that there's something to, to see as a bad thing. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That reminds me of that hate mail I got that I interpreted as a love note because <laughs> I'd been exactly. practicing self-love so strongly. Exactly. It's a clear example. Your brain was so focused on self-love that you couldn't even see that it wasn't Mm-mm. self-love. And how perfect is that? You, you're living in a reality where people are sending you love notes. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, the next piece I do want to touch on because one of the things that Pollyanna gets criticised for in the mainstream is, you know, kind of irrational optimism of, of not getting realistic. And actually that's not true. It, it, when, we're, when we're 
looking at appreciation, one of the things, and optimism and positivity and all those things that are kind of bundled together, one of the things that's really important is a capacity to acknowledge the pain. So this comes back to that idea of honouring our feelings. So it's not about putting a happy face sticker on situations. Pollyanna never does that. She's genuinely looking for something to be glad about. But she goes through two major traumas uh, in the course of the book. One happens just before the book starts where uh, her father dies. She, she loses her father, the only parent she's really known. And on her first night in her aunt's place, she cries herself to sleep. She says, she actually says, I know, Father among the angels, I'm not playing the game now, not one bit. And she, she, she cries herself to sleep. She just lies there for 15 minutes crying. And in the morning, she wakes to a new day and a whole lot of new things to be glad of. She doesn't punish herself for not being able to play the, the glad game. She acknowledges that she's just not able to do it right now. And she, cry, and she, she, she doesn't resist the grief for her father. And I think this is a core piece. I think this is a core piece of appreciation. I think the ability to honour and not judge our emotions in the immediate pain of a difficult moment is actually a really important part of doing appreciation with traction. It's because there's a difference between putting a happy face sticker on it and saying, "Well, at least I can be glad because before we've honoured that pain." It's this kind of brittleness to that. Once we've been able to honour the pain, cry ourselves to sleep if that's what's needed, wake to the fresh day and go, right, what can I find to be glad about? What can I find to appreciate? There is something here. What is it? Um, and later in the book, when she goes through this big tra uh, adversity, this big challenge, she admits that she can't find anything to be glad about. And then she, and then she regains it. So she has to go through that period of going, of, of saying, I can't find anything to appreciate right now. And then being willing to allow ways to appreciate to come to her. So I think it's an important reminder that all emotions have their place and they require honouring and releasing yeah. so that we can then get to the genuine appreciation. Agreed, Janet. I mean, even the queen of appreciation gave herself yeah. that. That's a good point that I'd never taken away from her example before. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the book is that we can see her managing her emotional landscape by using the glad game because from time to time she's reminded of her father and she's reminded that her aunt doesn't want her to talk about her father, for example, and that's, that's clearly a source of some resistance for her because she can't express, you know, express herself fully in that moment. Uh, and we can see her using appreciation to help manage her emotions, but she doesn't, you know, there's another moment in the book where she decides that the best thing for her to do is to go for a walk in the forest, and that's what she does. So there's a really, there, she's conscious of her emotional landscape and of the moments where she needs to honour and allow those emotions to, to, to be expressed, to, to, be, um, to be felt. Uh, and and I think people often miss that point in Pollyanna because we, we sort of have this, you know, the mainstream view, view is that she's she's uh, optimistic no matter what, and it's kind of, um, you know, and I think people often dismiss the Pollyanna attitude because they get irritated by the relentless, unquenchable gladness, <laughs> and it's like, go away, I want to be miserable. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't get to be miserable. I'm going to be Pollyanna. <laughs> Um, there's another point, the, the final point that I wanted 
tease out is actually something that's really subtle, but I think it's incredibly valuable. And this is the around pleasure and reward. And one of the things that we, is really clear with Pollyanna is how and why she uses the glad game. She uses it for its own, uh, for the fact that it feels good. She doesn't use it, she, she delights in her ability to do it. She delights in the gladness itself. She doesn't play it for an agenda. Unlike many of us, and I will put my hand up for this big time. I, I, I was kind of taken aback when I recognized this. She doesn't play the game in order to consciously release attachment or to get an outcome or to you know, make her vibration better. She plays it purely for the fun of it. Now, obviously, her father was teaching it to her to help her to see the, the joy and the gladness of life. Uh, but there isn't this consciousness of I'm doing it so that I can... She, she does do it so she can feel better about situations and she encourages other people to do it for that reason. But there is a part of her that does it because the game itself is fun. And she actually says to Nancy at one stage, the harder it is, the more fun it is to get them out. In other words, That's to, to cool. find the glad thing, to bring it out. Um, there's a relishing of achievement when she finds something to be glad about in every situation. So when she's faced with the challenge of Mrs. Snow, she is so pleased with herself for having found some things for Mrs. Snow to be glad about. Um, and from a you know, brain science... Sorry, go on. I, well, I was just going to say, Janet, that's a really, a really well-made point that I've heard from Abraham before about how how helpful it is, how important it is to engage this stuff without an agenda because... No. The agenda will kink things up. If you're doing this in order to make things better, it doesn't really work. I, I had that's yeah. another thing I hadn't realized that Pollyanna shows us how to do. Yeah, and, and when we look at it from a brain science perspective, there are two really interesting things happening. First of all, I talked about this on the call about pleasure. I think brain science of pleasure. That that humans have this ability to paint things with hedonic gloss which basically means hedonic comes from the same root as the word hedonistic or hedonistic. Um, what it means is that to a certain extent, we can choose to make something pleasurable on purpose. We can amp up the pleasure we experience from something by reveling in it, by immersing in it. So I can look at my beautiful green curtains and I can actually speak about how elegant they look and how I love the pattern on the fabric and the color is just right. As I'm doing that, I'm literally painting hedonic gloss on my brain so that when I look at my curtains, the pleasure I get from them is enhanced in the future. This is how acquired tastes work. This is how we start off with something that we might be lukewarm or about or, about, or we might not even like. And over time, through simply deciding to enjoy and relish it, we experience increasing, increasing pleasure from it. So as Pollyanna plays the game, over the years, obviously, as she's played it through childhood, she's now got herself to the point where her delight, her pleasure in playing the game is so enormous. She's been painting hedonic gloss on that game for years and years and years. And we know from the research at the University of Essex that we can make these changes in seven weeks or probably less. Um, in fact, you know, the Tetris effect says if you do this solidly enough <laughs> for three days, you can make, make a massive difference to your filters. So by enjoying our own ability to appreciate, having this kind of meta-appreciation for it, we're painting it with hedonic gloss. And the second thing is, and this is the part that really excites me, when we experience the pleasure associated with the reward, so whenever we 
you know, when we find something to appreciate and we can go, oh, look at me, I'm getting to be, I'm, I'm Pollyanna, I'm the queen of appreciation. That delightful feeling of achievement, our brains get flooded with a chemical called dopamine. And one of the properties of dopamine is to speed up the formation of new, new neural, path, neural pathways. In other words, when we have dopamine at, at active in our brains, our ability to create those new filters, those new habits of appreciation, that, that default thinking, that new mindset, that happens faster when we've got dopamine at work in our brains. Uh, and in fact, that's, that's, how, that's one of the key parts of our learning systems. We, we know we get something right, we get a hit of pleasure for a conscious reward, whether it's the feeling of a good job or you know, rewarding ourselves with a piece of chocolate or winning a prize or whatever it is, that, that pleasure for a conscious reward gives us the incentive to keep doing it and it gives us the benefit of an accelerated capacity to learn as our brains form these new pathways to carry the new learning. So what, so what Pollyanna's doing here by taking such great delight in her ability to play the glad game and the, and the inherent fun within it, she's amping up the pleasure she gets from it with hedonic gloss and by doing that, she's rapidly increasing her brain's ability to learn to be even better at the game. And we see this played out with the townspeople as well. As they, you know, when at one point Nancy's complaining about her own name, she, her siblings all have these very exotic names. She thinks Nancy is very boring. And Pollyanna, and, and she herself says, I guess I can be glad it's not Hepzibah, which is the <laughs> name of a, a, somebody else that she knows. And, and Pollyanna sort of squeals with excitement and says, you just did it. You just played the glad game. And that reward that Nancy gets where she, and she, she spends a little time, Nancy spends a little time reflecting on the fact that, well, lordy me, I just played the game. How, am I, how amazing. You can see that acting on her brain as a reward. There's a, there's a deliberate consciousness of her, her ability to do it uh, that she feels good about. And it becomes a self-sustaining loop, of course. Very cool. It is cool. It's very cool. So that covers all the different aspects. It doesn't cover all of them. There are a lot more than I found, but it, it's sort of the, these are the key ones that I wanted to cover. And of course, the obvious question is, what's the takeaway from this? And I actually think it's really simple. Our brains can, uh, can be our willing and eager servants in the quest for being masterful and well-prepared appreciators, even in the face of adversity. We know that appreciation is a learned skill. We know that when we practice regularly, we create a default mindset of appreciation, so we do it without thinking. It becomes our filter. And it becomes a positive Tetris effect so that we increase our ability to find appreciation in the tough times, giving us a lot more resilience uh, and, and increasing our positivity overall and lifting our vibration. Appreciating as a game with a friend is easier than doing it alone, and it's more fun. You know, it becomes a kind of... You know, you could almost imagine, uh, I could imagine setting up a, a challenge with a, with a buddy to say, all right, once a, once a day, I'm going to find something I don't like and find the glad thing in it as a practice, just to see how good I can get at this. Uh, appreciating on the harder stuff can be fun. And if we decide to play the glad game about the smaller irritations of life and consciously set about enjoying that challenge, we can powerfully enhance our skill at appreciation. The more pleasure we find in our ability to play the glad game, the better we become at it because our brains 
get into that dopamine fueled self you know self sustaining loop of of finding things to appreciate finding things to be glad so i'm going to play with a practice over the next few weeks and i'm going to invite anybody who wants to to join me to do a kind of pollyanna inspired amped up version of the three good things ritual and at the moment, the way I'm thinking about it, but Jeanette, I would love if you have some ideas of how to make this even better, because I reckon this would be a really fun one to play. I'm going to spend five minutes every day journaling, possibly via social media, because that brings that um, buddy thing into it, but possibly on my own. I haven't decided yet. I'm going to journal about three things I appreciate and include a little detail of it, but not enough to make it a boring chore because I don't do well with chores. <clears throat> but I'm going to make sure that at least one of them is finding something to be glad about in an irritating situation. Mm. Now, it may well be that I have days where there's nothing irritating, but I, I think that, you know, given the fact that I have a Facebook feed and sometimes people post annoying <laughs> things about politics or whatever, that's probably going to be where I'm going to get the most juice is kind of going, okay, what can I appreciate about our Prime Minister? <laughs> might be a bit of a stretch today but um what do you think i like this i like because it feels like an advanced appreciation practice like you know anyone can name three good i i probably listed i don't know 30 i i posted in um the good my good news thread today because my vibe was a little sketchy and i thought you better nail this thing down but doing it in where it's like where we wouldn't normally go like on something that irritates us or someone who may not be our favorite person although no. We couldn't do that publicly because then we'd be outing. Uh, we'd be outing ourselves. But I really, I really like what you're conjuring up here, Janet. And it feels like not just a fun one to play with, but also um, a very rewarding one. And I know we're not supposed to do it for rewards, but I, yeah, I like this. But the, I think it's rewarding in itself. I actually think that, like the the sorts of things I was thinking about, and I've done this a little bit in the past, not as a conscious practice, but as a I guess there's been a little awareness of how I'm kind of doing, you know, the a masterclass in appreciating, but things like sitting in traffic when I'm due because I do a fortnightly radio spot and it's one of the few times in my life that I ever commute where I have to get to somewhere at a certain time. It's like if I'm not there to start my thing at 10 past nine, um, it's, it's, it feels really bad. So when I'm in traffic on my way there and I might left, have left the house a little late, Finding something to appreciate then, that's probably going to be a stretch. Uh, I can get to acceptance, but getting the next bit and finding something to be glad about, I reckon that would be a fun challenge to do. Um, the same with standing in, you know, finding yourself in the queue at the checkout when the person in front of you is using the wrong cash card or the wrong pin or, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've, or they've got to do a price check and everybody's got to wait finding things not just to accept but to be appreciative of in those situations i reckon it would be i like glad game pollyanna style yeah yeah let's do it hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i'll um, start a, i'm okay. going to start a thread at gvu for those who want to post in the forums but for anyone who wants to do it on their facebook feed uh you know the more eyes we have on this stuff the i think the more interesting it can get yeah, so I'll agreed. follow your lead, Janet. If you have any particular suggestions, well, I, a brilliant idea, though. I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think there are some things that we want, might want to do more privately because it will out us as having a particular be in our bonnet about something. And uh, but I I 
I like the idea of um, I'm actually managing two Facebook groups at the moment and I don't really have brain space to manage another one. But I really like the idea that people can be really flexible with this. And I'm more than happy to, um, you know, uh, to start a, a, a Facebook um, thread of my own or to join in the forum or whatever, whatever feels good. But I think the other thing too with this is that obviously those of us who are practiced appreciators might kind of look at three good things and go, three, I can do... I could do 30, you know, obviously. Uh, so for those who are already, you know, really good at appreciating, I'd like to amp up the challenge. I can't believe I'm saying this uh, and I'll do it as well. See if we can find three irritating things to be glad about. <laughs> I like it. Every day. Or three ways to be glad about it. Like if I picked, yeah. if I found three yeah. things I could find. Yeah, that's okay. a good we, idea. Yes. We can flex our muscles on this. Yeah. Three things to be glad about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be good. Let's do that. That would be fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was right. I mean, I knew I was going to love this call. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, no, I really like it. Um, so in terms of, in terms of uh, finding the social support for it, I think anything goes. If you want to buddy up with someone and just do it, you know, as... as uh, appreciation partners and Jeanette what about a time frame do it for what a week two weeks 30 days 30 days seems like a very long time but you know obviously the more the longer you do it the better you get better skilled you get at it what do you think well I, I this would have been a fun one to start this month um, with the topic of appreciation but uh, I don't know I I, I guess the the conscious creator in me wants to say whatever feels best to each person yeah, that's what I wanted to say too. I think I think so. I think at least a week. I think seven days. Um, you know, we know that the brain changes really fast, and and the the key to this, I think the key to this kind of playing the glad game is to is to find ways for it to be fun. I think if it becomes a chore, we lose that hedonic gloss, we lose the dopamine, we don't get the dopamine kick. It's not going to be as effective. It's not going to be completely ineffectual, but the more fun we can find with it, the the better. And for me, that's the key: is is to say, okay, what what's going to look like fun to me? I might reinstitute something that I started doing a while ago, which was having a Twitter um, appreciation every night. Um, and and I might not go into the details of what I'm glad about in a Twitter. Obviously, in a Twitter, um, in a tweet, you can't. Uh, but that and or doing something in my my existing Facebook group, I might start the challenge there, actually. <laughs> actually, that would be fun at the, for me. At your identity shift, uh, Ninja? I'm going to do it in my identity shift group. I'm going to start, I'm going to get everybody there doing it as well. <laughs> um, if you don't mind, I'm going to share the recording of this with that, that group. Oh, absolutely. So, so they can hear, why, hear it and then they'll know why we're doing it. <laughs> Sounds like fun to me. The more the merrier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, a thread in the forum. I'll do it with my Facebook group. And for those who uh, those who are listening to the recording who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, if you go to my website, which is identityshift.ninja, uh, and you click on the Start Here uh, tab, you'll find a description of the Facebook group and how to join it, and uh, and so on. And um, uh, you can either do that or you can just drop me a note. Um, but uh, you'll you'll find all the details there. And I will. I, haven't, I think I did post something in the forum ages ago about the Ninja Group. 
but I might see if I can find that and bump it again. Yeah, good plan. Cool bananas. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks and for I, another I, great I call, now, Janet. Thank you so much. I, I am now off to find things to be glad about that my shoulders are sore. <laughs> One of the things I'm glad about is that it gives me a reason not to do any keyboarding today. It also makes me glad that I have just re, uh, I've just updated and reunited myself with my dictation software, and um, <laughs> I got a whole bunch of I got a whole bunch of stuff done yesterday that I would not have got done if I had to type it. Oh, right on! There you go. You're a rock star at this already, true. Janet. <laughs> I know. How cool was that? <laughs> so yeah, I'm channeling Pollyanna, <laughs> and I invite everyone to do the same. <laughs> So thank you so much, everyone, for for showing up, and uh, and thank you for everyone who's listening to the recording too. And thank you so much, Jeanette, for letting me come and play here. I'm sorry I didn't think of it earlier in the month, but it just took a while for me to kind of make the connections and go, wait a minute. <laughs> well, right on. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs>